The views and opinions expressed on Beautiful Disasters are those of the panelists and not those of the Geeks Under the Influence Network, their sponsors, or anyone else involved. Also, there is going to be a lot of adult language used on this podcast, so please keep your little kitties away unless you don't care about them that much. Welcome back to Beautiful Disasters. Schlocktober <laughs> is upon us. And uh, this is another episode of a Die for Dead formats that I run uh, with my very good brother from another mother. Jesse, how you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm, I am, of course, the Groots. And uh, we, like I said, we cheated a little bit because uh, we were lined up as the die roll happened last time we did one uh to do a movie called sex machine (laughs) some cheesy ass 80s flick that never made it past vhs however being schlocktober we decided again to cheat and uh one of the other films on the list uh is a movie called the rune stone (laughs) which never made it past VHS and Laserdisc. I happen to have the Laserdisc in glorious widescreen. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really did the movie justice. It really, yeah, no, it didn't make all the difference. No. <laughs> I don't think it would have mattered. Um, I will say one thing about this, and the, uh, the reason I bought it was that the cover is graced, the half of the cover is the face of a guy named Alexander Godunov, who everyone will know it was the main henchman in Die Hard. He was Hans Gruber's main henchman. <coughs> the long-haired uh, blonde guy. Yeah, who had a little brother who got killed early in the movie and got a Santa hat put on him, and ho, ho, you know, ho, now ho. I have a machine gun. Ho, yeah. ho, ho. Anyway, he was really mad through that whole movie. But he was like the heavy, the badass, the the boss-level henchman, (laughs) okay, of Die Hard. And that's what everybody knows him from. Um, Top billing. The cover of this movie was literally half of his face. And the runestone, blah, blah, blah. I was like, some kind of a horror movie. I don't know. Buying it. I think I got it for like 2 or $3 in like a bargain bin at Plan 9 or something. Anyway, uh, this ended up on the list because it never made it past uh, old formats. And fuck it, let's just get into this bitch. I mean, for good reason. This movie is utterly forgettable. Yes, it is. I will say that it did something that most horror movies, fantasy movies, didn't really do in the really early 90s, which was focused on Norse mythology. Um, so they tried to make a sort of a horror movie out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it didn't exactly work. Ragnarok did come up at some point yeah. in conversation in this movie. Um, I, mean, I don't think they mentioned Thor once or, or Odin, but they uh, it was all about Tyr. Yeah, yeah, Tyr and, uh, and Fenrir, Fenrir. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, all right. Uh, as we start this thing, we have a sequence 
And this happens basically the first half of the movie. <laughs> the only time you see the dude from the cover who is the clockmaker. Uh, you see him in a shop with a bunch of clocks. And weird stuff's happening. And there's some little kid. You don't know who the fuck the kid is. <laughs> and You never know. And just weird stuff's happening. And then suddenly we're in Western Pennsylvania. And one of our main other main characters uh, basically is a collector who is also interested in archaeological artifacts and in some kind of a fucking mine situation. He finds this. I thought he was an archaeologist. Kind of, but he was also a collector because he was tied to that art, well, he art was, world he shit. He was right? more like, you know, Henrik Schleiman, where he was like a half ass archaeologist and just basically interested in taking the artifacts and then, you know, yeah. putting them on display. He was like the anti Indiana <laughs> Jones. Like, he didn't want to give it to a museum, he wanted to keep that shit. Um, in any case, he, he finds this stone structure that has like a symbol they call it the rune stone anyway yeah. finds it and then uh we get introduced very quickly by the way there's a lot of fucking characters in this movie for no yeah, goddamn good way reason. way too many characters <laughs> way too many characters and we we meet uh his ex who is played by joan severance and and she's talking to like her boyfriend, I guess, who's an actual archaeologist, yeah. and he's like an expert. And by the way, everybody in this movie, for the most part, are all mostly like TV or B movie, C grade, straight to video yep. sort of actors. Um, like we already said, the uh, diehard guy, uh, main dude, what's his name, Mitchell Lawrence. Yep. Um, <clears throat> He, well, he's not. I wouldn't say he's the main dude. He's the main villain, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he comes like, the main villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I remember him a little bit from like Stepfather Two, and then I guess he was in Sinjinor, but I, he was I, in he was in Night Court, and he yeah. was in um, that movie with the ninety two one zero guy um, that uh, cold blooded the Cosmo. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was. Movie. No, that's the other guy. That that was Captain oh, Fanducci. Oh no no no! That's right. That's right. Yeah yeah I got yeah. Confused there. He's he's that's a, right. He's both our favorite character. We're gonna yes. get to him. We'll get to him. Um, uh, Joan Severance, <laughs> uh, who is like kind of like the ex love interest and whatever. Um, she was in Black Scorpion most yeah. prominently as a lead. But I did want to read off very quickly. She had a bunch of straight to video kind of skin flicks, and. The titles read like like the opposite of all of uh, Steven Seagal's movies in the 80s. So it's like illicit behavior, criminal passion, dangerous indiscretion, hard <laughs> evidence, Last Seduction 2, Matter of Trust. Like They made a sequel to The Last Seduction. <laughs> yeah, I guess she wasn't good enough for the first one. <laughs> so anyway, she's like she's like the hot lady and, you know... Whatever, and she is her character exists in this movie to be manhandled because that's all that happened to her. Like, oh yeah, time. no, she didn't really have like much like, much to go go with. She was <laughs> she she was a punching bag. Through yeah, the whole movie. yeah. 
so we get introduced to her and, and her her archaeological dude who uh sam i guess is his name uh was played by tim ryan his entire like filmography is all just like tv roles and this movie basically so whatever <laughs> uh However, uh, we uh, end up in a, in a scene uh, shortly at, thereafter where uh, Martin uh, has tr- transported this rune stone that he found uh, to his modern, like, m- you know, sort of condo. I, I don't know what the fuck it was. It was like no, a big was, ass. Uh, it was the. Like an institute <clears throat> or something? No, it was, the, it was the, like the art house or like. Yeah. The, it was like a museum that. Uh, it, it's like. Museum a, slash like art gallery. Collector's lair yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Wherever he kept all his shit. And I mean, obviously he was rich enough that he had like security guards and, and like people to like restore stuff and, and look after it. Anyway, we we quickly find out that like there's a dead dude in an elevator uh that apparently has died from something related to this artifact and then this movie kind of jumps all around so it's not going to make a whole lot of sense and then we meet the old dude with the uh, the young grand like grand nephew or whatever it is uh the old dude is uh his name is Lars Hagstrom he's played by William Hickey who you called first was the dude from Puppet Master. Yeah. Puppet Master, fuck yeah, Toulon. Yep. And then uh, he also like, he, I think he had some like roles in like different like gangstery things, but he was in Preetzi's Honor with uh, with Jack Nicholson. Um, old dude, you know his face. You see his if you see him, you'll be like, oh that guy. He's been in a bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, voice and. <laughs> and verbal patterns like he I, I don't know if he's got a speech impediment or something yeah uh, exactly unmistakable um and then we uh and then his the the young the youngest cast member he's got to be like what supposed to be like 16 17 in the movie maybe I, I don't even know if that was even something like that anyway i thought he was in his 20s i mean his name is jacob he might have been in his 20s is <coughs> played by chris young yeah. The thing, like, when I looked up his, his stuff, like, the thing I knew him mo- most from was Max Hedrum. Yeah. Uh, he was he was the young kid in that. Uh, he was in PCU, in the great outdoors. He was one oh, of yeah, the kids. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was, he was uh, yeah, PCU. That was... Yeah. And I guess he was also in Warlock, uh, the Armageddon. The sequel? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't even remember... I've seen it, but I don't remember. Warlock was great, but, like, the rest yeah. of them were like, oh... No. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway, they're basically, uh, they're talking about, I don't know, weird shit, prophecy and stuff. Like, the old dude is... It's his grandfather is talking to his uncle. Yeah. William Hickey is his uncle. Yeah. And like his grandfather, and they're talking about stuff and, and he's being a typical rebellious, like, you know, teen or tween or something and, you know, mm-hmm. not, not driving with anything they're talking about, uh, doesn't believe in all the weird mysterious stuff that we have no idea what they're talking about at this point in the movie anyway right exactly so then we hard cut by the way all the scenes are pretty much hard cut yep uh we hard cut to the coolest fucking party i've ever wanted to go to (laughs) which is a now it seems cool in the opening (laughs) shots 
because it's basically it looks like a like an art gallery where people get to take sledgehammers to walls and just fuck it up. Yep. And I'm like, that's Interactive awesome. Interactive performance art. Like. That's awesome. And then we start hearing all the different guests talking. Oh, my God. And it's the most vapid, aristocratic bullshit. I feel like the screenwriter was trying to satirize the uh, the art house community. Like, oh, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> it's like hard. And that's good because later... <laughs> we get some we get some real good payback on that but it was it was very it was a cool ass scene just to just to see like this weird ass thing and the like the head honcho of this particular gallery shindig is like this sleazy art dude with crazy earrings going on and he's obviously like the you know the <laughs> most like heather of all of them yeah you know? he's yeah, like, i mean he is a caricature of uh, like art studio, art gallery yeah. owners. He, you know, he dresses in the most garish fashions. Yeah. With like, and he always has some big ass earring. His nose is really high. He's he's <laughs> yeah. like the mean girl of yeah. that community. And uh, so, oh, I forgot to mention. So this guy Martin, who found the runestone, you know, he's connected to this whole community. But he immediately upon seeing him. He looked like a slightly buffer, slightly taller Steve Gutenberg. And I think <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that's right. I, I think I re, uh, fucking re, uh, referred to him throughout the movie as like, fuck, man, buff Steve Gutenberg is really <laughs> fucking shit up. But he doesn't gel that well with this crowd. And he ends up like banging on a wall to get his, you know, like friggin. Like, well, he's got a lot of stuff going on because, you know, he, he has a, a history, romantic history with uh, Joan Severance's character. Right, like, right, right. You know, obviously he doesn't have everything he wants out of life and that's a, plays an important part of this. Yep, yep. And then he, he after breaking up the wall a little bit, he leaves, he leaves the party and then as he's walking on the street, the old dude uh, played by William Hickey is like, hey! You found the runestone. It's cursed. <laughs> you know, whatever he says. And they that's apparently know each other. So yeah, that, that's, that's basically the communication. He's just like, get the fuck out of my face, man. I don't believe in that shit. And we have a brief scene of the clock man or the clockmaker having more visions of like now he's having visions of like a demon monster. And then uh, fast forward to we're back in his collector's studio art gallery thing. Uh and he's got two security guards that start hearing sounds, or one does, and the and the other guy is getting killed off screen. And then the dude who looks like fucking what did you say? Like Kenny Rogers? Yeah, <laughs> Kenny Rogers as a security guard with dark hair. <laughs> and he goes to right, also he kind of it's like a love child of uh, Kenny Rogers and like Danny McBride. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, he goes to investigate, and some fucking creature monster situation pins him up against a wall. He unloads his freaking revolver into it and gets killed. So there are two security guards are slaughtered by the monster, and now we get introduced to the best character in this fucking movie. <laughs> because now the cops are on the scene, you know, and Captain Fanducci... Played by Peter Rigert, or Rigert, um, who's been in a bunch of shit. 
you called that he was in Cold Blooded, that movie with Jason yeah. Priestley, right? Yeah. Um, I remember from The Mask, because he was also the cop in The Mask, that was like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, he was in a movie called Oscar. He's a very recognizable face. He's been in a bunch of shit. A lot of TV, too. But he is definitely the baddest ass character in this movie because he does not give a fuck. And he, he says what he <clears throat> needs to say and he cusses the whole fucking movie through. <laughs> F-bomb, every other word. He's the only memorable character. Yeah. And it's not just because of the cursing. Like, he's pretty much the only entertaining character. Oh, yeah. And if everybody else is completely throwaway, especially the the tertiary, like the latter characters who yeah. have way more importance to the plot than is ever explained and is <laughs> seems necessary right <laughs> you know like the fucking characters that didn't even need to be in the movie yeah <laughs> but yeah we'll get back to that so you know he's kind of he's playing like the the hard-boiled detective that's kind of his shtick and he is on the case and he's investigating and he's like and of course like you know they they, they come into the place and I guess Joan Severance and the other dude and like her boyfriend are nearby. So they just like tag along into the crime scene (laughs) and they see shit like, oh, my God. And they're like, oh, my God, where's Martin? You know, the main dude. And he's not there. And they're allowed to walk around a fucking crime scene and see. Yeah, they didn't even shut the place down. Like in real life, you know, the entire building would be shut down that business would be closed until oh yeah finish the investigation no they still go on about every day is normal and like <laughs> they don't even rope off the area where the the guards got killed this is and... a recurring theme for most of the movie where the cops are so fucking dumb and do not do their jobs right or react to anything right half the things that happen in this movie like two cops go go after it yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, what the fuck? Until the end. Until the end. <laughs> we'll get to that. That's funny as fuck. Um, and then we have uh, a, a brief introduction to a minor character, but I have to mention the, uh, the fucking chief cop. Chief Richardson <laughs> is played by Lawrence Tierney, who played Joe in Reservoir Dogs a year after this movie was made. But he also has a pedigree of, like, he was in all the film noir shit back in the day. Yeah. Back in the 50s, 40s, 50s and stuff. Like, he, that's where he made his his career. And now this is later in his career. And he doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) You can tell. But he's having fun. You know, just being like, this shit ain't real. Fuck you. (laughs) You (laughs) No, 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 no. He, oh, Jesus Christ. What was his theory? It was a guy running around in a bulletproof dog suit. Dog that suit. That was yeah. his. That was his hypothesis. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're a you're a real cop, there, dude. <laughs> you're hey, a real detective. Hey, I live in the real world. It couldn't be a fucking werewolf, you know, some <laughs> shit. <laughs> bulletproof dog suit. Okay. Oh, he's he's from New York. He's in he's a hard boiled New York cop. He's seen the shit. <laughs> Oh, my God, man. So then we have a very brief uh, throwaway scene where, where, where someone interacts with a bum on the street that has a sign, cardboard sign that says notary on it. 
This is the weird shit that happens in this movie often. You're just like, what the fuck is that? And then it's then it's over, and you're like, can I get you to witness this? It's like here's fifty cents. It's like, hey man, I just need something to eat. I'll notarize some shit for you. Like, what the fuck? Seriously? Uh, so yeah, um, after a while, I guess um, Martin shows up. He's been missing ever since this whole debacle happened. He shows back up at Joan Severance's place and basically starts like roughing her up. Like, hey, well, her and her boyfriend are there. They're both there. And yeah, he, he comes in and talks about wanting the painting that of him. That she right, the him. painting. But he's coming. He's he's like getting physical with her, and the boyfriend's somewhere else in the back. She starts yelling for him because he's like, yeah, getting getting handsy. And the dude's uh, basically like, you know, you, I, uh, you know, I want you. You're gonna be mine. I want you back. Yeah. You're gonna be mine. I was like, I think there was a Guns N' Roses song about that. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so he starts. He beats the shit out of uh, out of boyfriend. The boyfriend, right? Yeah, he starts roughing her up. Yep, and, and then he just leaves the painting. He leaves, yeah, he leaves the painting. He says some bullshit like, "I'm gonna leave the painting with you, so you can yeah. remember me or something." Yeah, I some shit it. like yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" So that takes Marla Joan Sanford's, uh to go to uh, see the old, the old <clears throat> dude, uh, Lars Hagstrom, William Hickey. How did we get to that point? How Who did they the find process? out about him? And like, there was something in there, but I just don't I, recall. You know, like, I don't know. There's no real logic. No, to the it's not. Stones and the breadcrumbs. Everything kind of goes goes across, and and like the throwaway scenes in this movie, like and some of the like uh, imagery and symbolism, really come across as like someone wanted to make like an artsy horror film. But just didn't really know how to make that yeah. congeal, so it doesn't. It's just most of it just doesn't work. But yeah, they go to see the old dude uh, who had the prophecy, and uh, and he explains. Let's see here. So the Vikings brought the rune stone to the New World uh, to offload it because it was cursed and evil. Yeah, and they were going to leave it there, right? And he had some good lines here. And he's like, uh, every dogma has its day. <laughs> you know, and it's good to be on a one-on-one basis with evil. No, uh, it's good to be on a first-name basis with evil. Or, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, he Well, he also explains that he was a member of the Watchmen, which is basically right. the uh, the <clears throat> diehard villains. Yeah, uh, clock, the, the clockmaker. Clock his group is called the Watchmen, and they, are, I yeah. guess, obviously their job is to watch for this kind of stuff. Yeah, and fight it. So during their visit, God damn it, this movie had to do it. You know, he had a he had a faithful dog, like a German yeah. German Shepherd. It gets killed, thankfully off screen, and the old dude finds it, and then it like mauls the old dude. Yeah, and then it starts coming back down to his apartment wh- where they were, and the monster is chasing uh, Joan Severance, and uh, she gets down out of the building and starts running across a park, and it fucking just like stops to kill a bum. 
Like this monster yeah. stops to she kill a bum. She gets scared by the bum because she bumps into him and then she runs off and then he. He's just like a wino. He's, he's just, just like shit. a wino. Like what? What are you doing? <laughs> Dirt kills the bum, and then, uh, and then she runs like under, like a like one of those little like in the park or whatever you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of those little tunnels that goes under you know and, uh, you know something else, and there's like these punk like rapists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these punk rapists, <laughs> and she's just like. Oh my god! Oh my god! And they're like basically a she's trying her. to warn them. There's something coming. There's and they're something like, coming. My buddy's coming. We're all three of us are gonna run a train on you or something. Yeah, and something like, like that. <laughs> and they get fucking murdered. The fuck. <laughs> you know, it's just like you know, just a straight up like bam, done. And then, uh, oh my god! Then we have oh, this is probably my favorite sequence of the movie, where uh, following. The events that we just talked about. Yeah. We have a sequence that <laughs> intersperses different uh, characters doing things where we have Captain Fanducci investigating, snooping uh, for, for clues. We also have a raccoon <laughs> watching the, the wino get killed. And then we have a... Uh, sex scene all at the same time intercut between this sequence where uh, Severance <laughs> is fucking her boyfriend uh, and there's a full moon and she climaxes with the full moon and it's just like what the so, fuck is happening? <laughs> that sequence was fucking genius. It, that like, was hilarious. The, so you had the image of the full moon and then you had the silhouette of the beast's claw passing in front of it like mm. Elliot and E.T. Yes. And then, which immediately transmogrifies into the silhouette of Joan Severance, like climaxing, climax silhouette. Yeah, <laughs> it, w- it was the yeah, it was the ET moment. Yeah, this was like the like the, I'm gonna win an Academy Award for cinematography for the sequence. It was utterly ridiculous. Absolutely, we had a very uh, we had another interspersed scene with the Clockman seeing eyes and claws and saying his first line. Fenrir. And then you feel like, oh, maybe he's going to do something in this movie. Instead <laughs> of just being like some dude in a freaking like clock repair shop somewhere being weird. So, yeah. The the grandson, grandnephew knows something. Uh, oh, he's... That that kid has... Oh, yeah. Also, he's been having dreams his whole life. Yes. Yeah, he has been, yeah. And he's, he's uh, <laughs> at... His, because his grandfather also got fucked up. We don't know what happened to the grandfather. That's the thing. He, was he attacked? We, it never tells yeah, you what you actually. Really maybe know. he had a heart attack or something or something. So, but he's in yeah, the hospital. He's in the hospital. Yeah. I figured completely unnecessary character. Yeah. Why couldn't it just been like William Hickey's character and the and the kid? Yeah. Not to mention the kid didn't need to be in the movie either. But like whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's there with, you know, and Severance is there talking to him, basically like, uh, you you know something, don't you? And he starts saying something, and he tells, like, a little bit of a story. When he turns around, she's, <laughs> she's fucking, fucking gone! She fucking turns into Batman. And just, and like... It, but there's no... <laughs> why did you just leave when he was in mid-sentence? You were asking him for information, 
and he finally decides to give it to you, and suddenly you're just, you disappear. What person does that? <laughs> what was the motive behind that? No. And then in the next scene, he's following her, and they're like... Right. With her boy... I think it was with her boyfriend. He was there. Yeah. Like, it, none of this makes any sense. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they they go to meet, like, this old art guy that has some fucking old-ass paintings... And then the kid shows up, and they break through the painting or the the mural wall, and there's a fucking axe. Yeah, in there. Tear's axe. Yeah, and it's like okay, a painting of Tear fighting Fenrir and like and, you know, they talking about head. Ragnarok and shit. Mm-hmm, you know, and oh, then we get to the best fucking sequence of <laughs> oh yeah the entire movie, which is where we're at the second super elite douchebag art party. Same dude with the earring is hosting. And this one, instead of like busting up walls, this one is, uh, what do they call it? Um, Fucking art installations with live action actors doing things. So there's Mundane things. They're all doing like housework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the main one is like, there's like a, a woman ironing on the ironing board behind a plate of glass, like in this, like yeah. in this, like setup, you know, like sort of set scene. There's a dude sitting on a sofa watching Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. Like old Godzilla movies, like. And then you have like behind the glass, you have all these like aristocratic, like you know, high society art people, just like, oh my, it's so, it's so beautifully ordinary, you know, yeah. and just saying awful. I can't decide if I like it. I like it. I wish I could buy it, but I can't. <laughs> you know? And it's like fucking bullshit. And guess what? The fucking <laughs> monster that has been ravaging, like killing lots of people, shows up to the new art party, shows up, kill some dude in the bathroom or something, and then it shows up in the art installation with the girl the girl that's yeah. ironing and creeps up and she starts getting freaked the fuck out and they're like oh what this one's getting really good and they think it's a fucking (laughs) show and it like mauls this bitch you know and then it like breaks through the glass and starts killing all the art people that was the greatest sequence of the movie it was pretty damn fantastic i mean he murders almost all of them oh my god dude that was great and um Big ass massacre there. Lots of motherfuckers die, and then of course, uh, Fenducci oh, shows up. Fenducci shows cops. up with one dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and suddenly there's a smoke machine. There's a bunch of freaking fog on the ground. Which like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh god, he shows up with one dude, one other cop, and they're like, all right, we're gonna go investigate. <laughs> like the fuck, and there's a. Pretty decent epic fight between Fanducci and the monster. Monster, like, kind of gores him on the face, which ends up being a scratch, you know. And he uh, he ends up, like, falling off the roof <laughs> to escape the monster, but he, like, catches a flagpole or some shit, you know, whatever, yeah. awning well, or they, something. Well, didn't they have, like, a chase scene across... The rooftops and he's yeah. doing like parkour. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he did like a chase scene, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" And then he ran back. <laughs> <laughs> they ran back to the other. Yeah, and then he like, "Oh, I got to get off this fucking roof." 
so he doesn't die, which is awesome because he's the best character. And then we get all right. Uh, so the cop body count gets crazy because he calls in backup, and other cops show up. And I think there's a um, at at one point the monster kills a cop and and takes its hat. Yeah. <laughs> Kills a cop in a car. In a car. Yeah. They, and takes his <laughs> cop hat and puts it on. And then we and have, when his partner comes back. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, shit. <laughs> and he's dead. He puts the fucking hat. Seeing this big werewolf motherfucker with a cop hat on. I'm like, oh, my God. I've seen this movie before. So there's a big standoff in, the, in, in, in this apartment. And it gets to the point where, like, the monster is there and they start shooting him. And one or two guys get killed, and then they just start shooting them a lot, <laughs> like crazy a lot. Fanducci's got like a fucking like Mac Ten, and he's just like, Nargh. yeah. Wait, like Dropping. where the fuck did he get a Mac Ten from? <laughs> like obviously they armed themselves. Like they finally called some backup with some fucking firepower. One dude's got a shotgun. He's just unloading. And he's just, like, dropping magazines out of the Mac-10, reloading, just like, nerd. Eventually, you know, the monster jumps out the window like, oh, I've had enough. <laughs> I think uh, that was my favorite sequence of the movie, actually. Uh, yeah. Mine was where, like, Fanducci's shooting it, and the cop with the shotgun, he tells him to, to take off. He's like, you know, I guess he wants to, you know, he doesn't want any more cops to die. So he tells the, the shotgun cop to take off. So the shotgun cop exits frame right but then comes back with like five other guys and they just fucking unload into this thing yeah and it was like yeah! that's right yeah redemption that, that, that was gonna be the fanducci uh fucking martyr scene yep you know and then everyone came back and like no no we got a thousand rounds for you bitch <laughs> um yeah and he rips the window out into pieces and then jumps out jumps out yeah. and then the next sequence we have is <laughs> The clock man shows up on the scene. He's like, all right, I know how to deal with this, and here's what I need. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, uh, he I need talking to uh, Mr. Uh, uh, police commissioner. The, yeah, the captain. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, I don't know if he hypnotizes him or whatnot, but he's just, like, it does a close-up on his stare. And, yeah, so, like, yeah, he's like... What did he say? He, I need, what were the first two things? I need blood. I need some blood. I need some blood. I need and some I need, of its hair. I need half of a lamb. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And then I need you to provide me a hundred cops. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it just close up. It does a close up on his stare. And then police commissioner is just like, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, at first he was like, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Lawrence Tierney being like, you got to be fucking kidding me, this guy. And yeah, and he gets uh, hypnotized and he's fine. Um, and then we get to the final, I guess, showdown here where we have the the magic axe found behind the wall ends up in the fight where it's in Martin's, uh, you know, gallery, collector's lair, whatever it is. <laughs> Um, big fight with the axe where monsters there, the kid Jacob's there, uh, Joan Severance, uh, oh yeah, 
There was another sequence that we missed where, Something. like, yeah. the dude, the boyfriend, the archaeologist's boyfriend goes back to Pennsylvania into the cave where they found the runestone, and he's taking pictures of oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, runes yeah, yeah. that were in the like the ceiling and trying to right. like decipher what they're talking about. And I, think I that's, forgot about that. I think that's what leads us to know that it's, like, Fenrir. Yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. what's going yeah. on in Ragnarok and all that shit. Yeah, at least they were doing their due diligence and on the And that's what exposition. led them to, like, the paintings and the, you know, the Watchmen and all that. But, like, right, everybody's right. in this fight. Like, all the main characters. Yeah, all the main characters are in there. And <laughs> basically... Unquote, main characters. Basically, uh, yeah, Clockman. Now, you, you're expecting, like, a fight. But he just kind of moves and steps back slowly from the big beast. Like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, no, I'm going to face you. But, like, I'm just going to take my time. And, you know, and eventually... Uh, what was he fighting? He was fighting with what, like a sword at first or something? What was he fighting I, with? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. He, I think he had a sword, but I something to remember. Yeah, but it wasn't until the kid showed up with the axe. Yeah, and then he tries to, you know, he like wings wings the monster, but like monster like just throws him aside, and then uh, Clockmaker gets the axe eventually. Yeah, and it's. Not as epic as you want it to be. Yeah. I but, mean, it was kind of a cool sequence where they, like, he hit him in the chest with the axe and then, like, pushed it all the way through his body and to hand the axe to the kid. That was the best. <laughs> that was the best fucking thing right there. And then at some point, they, like, the runestone thing turned into a portal or created a portal and they walked through it. No, the runestone was in the center of the room and there was also these sort of, like, gate like doors like stone doors stone on either doors. side of it and one of them yeah becomes like this portal yeah and they go through and he steps t- the the dude uh, blondie steps back through it and then they're like you know in another realm yeah exactly whatever it is whatever it's supposed to be so yeah and <laughs> the then thing, the thing about uh the about blondie is that he's got a black glove on and all of this is sort of... They never actually say any of this in the movie. Right. Um, or call attention to it in any way, but it's... That's the big implication that he is Tyr. Um, or at least a reincarnation or something like that. Yeah. So, and that's... So he's been doing this kind of thing for a long time. That's that's the implication. He's been fighting evil monsters because he's a freaking Norse god. And I don't know where the kid ties into this at all. Or the Watchmen. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, it's not important. But basically, yeah, the uh, the monster is finally defeated. And what happened after that? Was there anything? Or did it just roll credits? Uh, I mean, they the dude turns back into him. Fenrir is once again trapped back in the stone. Right. <sighs> Damn, what did happen at the end of it? Jesus Christ. I don't... Maybe there wasn't anything. It might have just rolled credits. <laughs> I remember the credits. <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing I remember about the movie. Well, that's how memorable the end was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody lived happily ever after, I guess. They yeah. Really, I think that was actually the ending, is they beat Fenrir, the dude was dead, and then it was just kind of... That was it. I, I, maybe there was a scene after with uh, Fanducci because, like, maybe. <laughs> I 
All, all I know is he was the he was the best character of the movie. Like he was, he was the only good character. He was salty and sarcastic and sassy and fucking hard boiled and cynical. He was he was and he was always like talking shit to the the boyfriend. You know, like basically like whatever nerd. Yeah, like, exactly. you know? <laughs> he was the best. <laughs> he was the best. You fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I mean, I guess that pretty much was Runestone. That's that's everything. That happened in the movie, I would say, good lord, um, yeah, it was a mess. It was it was an absolute mess. It it tried to do a lot of things. Like there were a couple decent kills and a bunch of bullshit kills. Like you know, yeah. as far as a horror movie goes, like it was it was all over the place. It kind of wanted to be Indiana Jones <laughs> for a minute and. Yeah, the, the scoring in this movie was re- is the strangest thing about it. Yeah. It was like you had suspenseful, like, thriller music going on, and then it suddenly, for a second, turns into a whimsical Indiana Jones, like, adventure yeah. Yeah, fucking national for, like, five seconds, shit. and then goes back to da 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 and... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, this movie was all over the place. I mean, I, I it wasn't bad enough to... It, it wasn't a uh, so bad it's good movie, and it wasn't bad enough to completely trash it. I wasn't entertained by it. Yeah. Um, It was ultimately forgettable, but I do appreciate that they weren't doing all the typical things you would see in a horror movie. I love the fact that... Especially for the 90s. That somebody pitched this, not only pitched it, but also got it funded like this is yeah. going to be the next big thing <laughs> i mean it was like trying yeah. to be like an ensemble cast horror it, movie it really kind of did everybody was in this fucking they movie. hired as many people as they could afford every familiar Cheaply. well slightly familiar face that you've ever seen marginally familiar face that you've ever seen yeah <laughs> but um in any case, yes, uh, that was the Runestone, and um, uh, normally at this point in the episode, we would uh, talk about rolling a die for the next movie, but since we cheated, we already have our next movie ready to go, so we're going to wrap this shit up. <laughs> um, I just want to say really quickly, uh, Thank you to everyone who listens to Beautiful Disasters. Che- uh, check us out on Facebook, Beautiful Disasters Podcast. Um, you can email us directly with recommendations on shitty-ass, crazy-ass movies to watch uh, at beautifuldisasterspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, check out the other shows on the GUI network. Um, we, uh, we've got a bunch and lots of great content. Um and outside of that, all I got to say is we had a blast, even if it was a crappy-ass movie. <laughs> and uh, we, will bring, we will bring another movie that never made it to a modern format really soon. So um, I've been The Groots. I've been Jesse. And uh, thanks for listening.
Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. In a world ravaged by movie studios that keep rehashing the same things, only one podcaster has the guts to make it even worse. Join Mike the Hobbit as he traverses the internet to bring you some of the best and worst ideas for reboots, remakes, and reimaginings of some of your favorite and least favorite TV and film properties. Ideas like a John Waters He-Man movie, Fantastic Four the Musical, and Aliens, done entirely with marionettes. What podcast would bring this evil upon the world? This is Smack My Pitch Up. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. GUIPodcast.com <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.